a partial neglect of the expressly revealed will of God, and in others, an assumed authority for making the approbation of human opinions and human inventions a term of communion by introducing them into the constitution, faith, or worship of the church, or are and have been the immediate, obvious, and universally acknowledged causes of all the corruptions and divisions that ever have taken place in the church of God. He keeps coming back to this divisions. And, and, and that, that's been a focus on, on part of the restoration movement prior to, before there was a restoration movement, to bring people back together to a unified church. And, and, and I'm not talking about they just get along and abide with each other, to bring everybody to the same point of understanding. But when he says that or ties in all of the corruptions and divisions that have ever taken place, he ties them together. And he said that, that's been the problem. Because just about every split that occurred anywhere in the church's history came because of individuals that disagreed with other individuals whether it had to do with theology or if it just had to, to do with people to And a lot of times it just had to do with people. They couldn't get along. Now let's, let's look at number 12. He says that all, that all that is necessary to the highest state of perfection and purity of the church upon earth is first that none be received as members, but such as having that due measure of scriptural knowledge described above, do profess their faith in Christ and obedience to him in all things according to the scriptures. Nor secondly, that any be retained in her communion longer than they continue to manifest the reality of their profession by their temper and conduct, Thirdly, that her ministers duly and scripturally qualify inculcate none other things than those very articles of faith and holiness expressly revealed and enjoined in the word of God. Lastly, that in all their administrations they keep close by the observance of all divine ordinances after the example of the primitive church exhibited in the New Testament without any additions whatsoever of human opinions or inventions of men. Now, how hard is it for you when you're discussing Scripture? Now, now be honest. You're discussing Scripture with someone. By the time you make three statements, one of those statements starts off with, you know, I think. I think that. Anybody ever do that and been guilty of that? Okay. It's not wrong to think. Okay, I'm not saying that. And it's not wrong to, to have a, a particular bent in, in your opinion towards something. But we got to make sure that what we're dealing with and what we're teaching other people is Scripture and, and not our feeling. Okay? Because that also is a way that many of these, these divisions occurred all, all along the way. It's... Uh, 
one of those deals where when you begin to I think and I believe and I feel before long you stray off the path okay you know I'm, 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 that, that feeling thing that, that feeling thing as it relates to church and, and to faith and, and, and to assurance that mountaintop experience you know a lot of people talk about and uh, I, I think sometimes in, in myself, and I'm talking about myself, I think some, I, I feel at times that it's not about feeling good, it's about understanding and responding well to what Scripture says. Have you ever made a purchase, an emotional purchase on something, a new car? You know what I'm talking about? You go to a dealership and you look and you say, wow, that sure is pretty. Yeah, that sure does look good. And then you got some slick tongue salesman come out and tell you how good you look in it, you know? And they say, here, rattle those keys at you and say, test drive this. And you drive drive around the block, and, and you forgot what what pep and, and and fire under the hood of a car really felt like for a while, because yours is kind of on its leg. You, you, you understand where I'm coming from? Okay. <laughs> then you make that purchase, and honestly, I've never done that with a car. I've done it with other things, but a lot of times, those kind of purchases, there's that moment of that comes later like about the end of the month or first of the month whenever you get that bill in the mail that says please send us $450 or $500 you know when car payments used to be $25, $30 a month you know and I thought wow I can't afford that you know but you get that remorse and you want to get out of the deal but you've already gone past the point no return. Does that happen with people's faith? Where they emotionally respond rather than a heartfelt response? And they don't have a clue what they're getting into. And they're not nurtured. They're not loved. They're not directed. What happens to those people? You see them here today, where are they gone? It's emotional. You know, how many of you remember the day or night of your baptism? Okay. You know, there, there, there's there is an emotional response to that. But how long did you, does it take you to figure out that uh, you know, all my worries are not over? The hard times aren't gone. And I need help to grow and mature and, and, and do that. And that's where scripture fits and not man's ideas.
and in dimensions. I've often thought about the internet and all the communication devices we have and electronic iPads and computers and smartphones and all of that. I've always thought of it. What, what if the, the apostles that had those had been into that? But you know what? I've also thought, what if those that were seeking to destroy the church had those as rapidly as it was being destroyed? It would have been just as damaging as it would have been good on the other side. And we still see the effects of that. You know, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more at a later time. But he comes to number 13 and he says that if any circumstantials indispensably necessary to the observance of divine ordinances be not found upon the page of express revelation, such and such only as are absolutely necessary for this purpose should be adopted under the title of human expedience without only without any pretense to a more sacred origin so that any subsequent uh, alteration or difference in the observance of these things might produce no contention nor division in the church. Now we've been through these 12 and, and let me ask you something. What were the themes that you caught nearly every one of those propositions? It's whose church? Every single one. You have something? Okay. Uh, it, it, it's Christ's church. It's Christ's church. He paid for it. Okay? He, he, he's the head. He said it. Scripture repeats it. God's revealed his plan through him. It, it's, it's his church. So why should we take it on ourselves, is what he's saying, to change that. I, I work real hard on not saying my church. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of the body of Christ. I'm not saying that. But when people hear my, they're hearing ownership. Okay? And, and I'm working hard when people ask me, where do you worship? Say, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Because if, if you say the Church of Christ, they hear denomination. And I'm not ashamed to be a member of Christ's body known as the Church of Christ because it is his church. But people are so hung up on the, on the institutional part of church that, that they don't hear what do you believe, they tell you what you believe. You know, they tell you what you believe. And, and they don't have a clue. But they tell me anyway. Second thing he, he talked about repeatedly was this thing about unity. Unity is to be the order of the day. 
But that doesn't mean get along at all cost and focus, you know, on, 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 on all of that. But it's about to be unified in God's Word. And let the Word establish the church, the purpose of the church, the responsibility, the duties of the church, and, and not man and some governing body. And, and to, to be bound fully by the word. And the third, third thing that he, he, he slipped in there nearly every time was about love. It was about love. And man, there's, there, there, there's a study series in that when you're talking about love. Because there's so many different levels and types of love, but, but it really comes down to this. You've got to love God. You've got to love His Word. Love the truth that emanates from that Word. You've got to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I'm telling you, and, and this is hard. You've got to love humankind. Now, watch the news, and there's lots of humankind that it's tough to love, isn't it? I mean, to be honest. You, you see people that stand for things that you think, oh my goodness, you know. But we got to love them. And that's hard. Somebody asked me one time, do you always love your students? And I always tell them I love students. Okay? Because there are some days some of them are tough to love. Some days I'm tough to love, maybe most days. But we have to learn to not only give love, now, now listen to this one, we've got to learn to accept love too. And I think sometimes it's harder to receive love than it is to give it. Did you catch that? To receive it. What's so hard about being loved? Look at a horror back there. He, he's easy love, isn't he? Yeah. Good old friendly fellow, you know. Does not do what? She'd argue with him. Mother in law would. Did you get that girl's home? <laughs> but sometimes we confuse love with life, don't we? Okay? Sam? Yes. Sometimes we confuse love with having all of our expectations and somebody else met too. You know, people say they want to have a relationship with somebody, whatever type of relationship that is, whether it's familial or church or whatever. But the conditions that they have already purposed on that relationship are un either unrealistic or their expectations that they don't intend on reciprocating on and therefore that's how they define love is if all of these boxes are checked and you meet all of my expectations all the time then I'm going to love you and we forget that all of us are human and there's going to be times I don't meet your expectations and 
the question is, are you still going to love him then? And so we don't we don't go into a relationship with somebody a lot of times thinking about that beforehand. Absolutely, and uh, if you accept love because of the world we live in, if you accept love, you're, you're, you're establishing a contract with somebody, and I think this is kind of where, where you were headed with that, that you become aware of the expectations. Now, I'm not discouraging that, believe me. Man, just, just love me, please, because I need it, you know. But uh, love's hard, you know. Love's hard. Love, love hurts sometimes. And, and 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 if you paid attention to what he was talking about these last two or three, he he he's talking about discipline of those. that are outside of, of the expectations that God has. In other words, they're willful, willfully, openly sinning, flaunting, you know, sends his love down, we send our love back, and we send his love out. Okay? And, and, and that's what it requires as the church. And you know, when Thomas Campbell delivered this address to, to the Washington Association that he did, 1809, he closed with this statement in a summary of his proposition. And we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit. He said, we speak Bible speaks and we are silent where the Bible is silent. Can you find those words in Scripture? And, and the answer is no, but is it a biblical concept? And the answer 
answer is yes. And is it something that we all follow individually and as the church? See, that, that's, that's the word. That, I mean, that's the question we have to ask. And we're not going to get into it in detail tonight, but there's always this discussion about explicit command and inference and they're both an important part of, of reading scripture and, and, and we'll get into that as we go but uh, I think I told you this last week and used it as an example I, I teach my kids at school about the concept of proof proof means you, you have gathered enough evidence whatever that means that forces you to come to a particular conclusion. And what we have to do is read scripture, and, I, and I'll give you examples in a minute to help explain that. Uh, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4 in verse 11. This is what he writes. He said, if anyone speaks let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Now that's, that's kind of the place where a lot of people will go to, to cite when you talk about speak where the Bible speaks be silent where the Bible is silent but if anyone speaks let him speak as the oracles of God now what are the oracles of God I love the language sometimes you know they're words that don't mean anything anybody have their machine hooked up that they can look up oracles do what? Utterance. Utterance. So what does that mean? If anyone speaks, let him speak as the utterance of God. So what's it saying? Very words of God. You, you speak with God's words. Okay? Leave yours behind. Speak with God's words. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability that comes from where? that God supplies. In other words, when you gather as the church and you're speaking as the church, you're speaking how? As a mouthpiece for God on earth. You, you remember with the Hebrew people that when we studied in, in, in Leviticus that as, as all of these things were introduced and to them and, and, and explained to them and they were put into practice how many times during the course of that in the book of Leviticus did you hear you are to be a holy nation to the world? Okay, that, that was the whole point of that. They, they were the utterance of God in, in that setting. And, and that's what the church is. So if God says it, we better say it. And if God doesn't say it, now, now let me ask you on that part. 
Let me ask you on that second. We're silent where the Bible is silent. Does that mean everything we do, there has to be an explicit command in Scripture to do it, to be right with God? Wisdom, guys. Not supposed to be your opinion. Yeah, what? The word, the word is it. Not your, your opinion doesn't come into a, your view does not play a part. Okay. about this thing? You know, even the book of Hezekiah does not mention using amplification pulses, does it? But if, is this okay? Sure it is. Depends on what you're speaking to. Do I? It depends on what's coming out here. And if it's the right thing, it needs to be bigger, right? <coughs> Okay, that, that's a simplistic example. But no, this, this is not, not what it's talking about. It, it doesn't mention song books and it doesn't mention carpeting on the floor or having heat and air conditioner and all that either. If you think of that evidential proof thing that I was just talking about, is there anything in Scripture lays out that said, Thou shalt not have a comfortable meal? Is it implied anywhere? Implies when you're together, you are the church. That's, That's it. So it's not a building. It, it's not the building. That's the thing. It's not the building. Now, look over at Colossians chapter two. Let's let's go to the other side of the coin a little bit. In Colossians chapter two, beginning in verse eight, it says, "Beware." Lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. How are you going to deceive someone? How, how is anyone going to deceive another? Do they tell you the truth? Or do they tell you fringe truth? Okay, you see what I'm saying? The words sound wonderful. And you've probably seen the little quizzes that, that, that you take, you know, that people say they're quoting scripture. You know, godliness is next to cleanliness. You know, is that in scripture? <coughs> That's not deceiving anybody. You know, not really. In today's world, why they tell you, wash your hands. I was so impressed on, on, on the bathrooms in the, on the ship. They had tissues. You would wash your hand, and then they had a tissue dispenser right by the exit door, and they would say, grab a tissue and turn the knob to get out and discard the tissue. I've never seen that. Wow, this is fancy. You know, I've never been on anything like that. Um, how, does that how does that take care of the inside? Mm -hmm. That's easy. It doesn't do it. doesn't do it. 
And, and the only way cleanliness is next to godliness is when that cleanliness is coming through here, through the word. Okay? Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. In other words, don't make it up. Don't invent it. Now, <coughs> we talk about music in the church. Mechanical instruments are using the voice. We're, we're going to look at these in some detail later. We talk about baptism. When you get out in the world and start looking around, I'm going to tell you something. There's not very many places that refer to themselves as church that place a lot of importance on baptism. It's to be recognized. An announcement that you are a Christian. My Bible doesn't say that. It's a direct command that's given. And, and we'll study some in detail on that. About infant baptism. You know, I can find that anywhere. Anywhere. And, and if you go through, and, and, and folks, we're, we're going to study it all before it's over, before you hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. My grandchildren's infant were pretty bright. But they weren't capable of doing those things. You know? Believe, I, I don't know when a child that age starts to believe. At what age? You know? If, if, if they're here all the time, they know the words. And at what point the understanding starts to kick in, I don't know. It's different for every child, I know. But they, they, they you know, I don't know. Yes, sir. Just the pagans, I was christened. Is there any chance of like double protection? No. <laughs> uh, but obviously I've been baptized when I when I came here. Right. Oh, I know. I saw it. I was there. Uh, I'm trying to think what I read the other day, the almost a serious question that was asked. But I can't remember what it was now. Um but, but it, it, it's one of those issues that folks in, in, in the religious world, baptism is a contentious issue. Baptism is a contentious issue. Of all things that shouldn't be, it is. And a lot of things have been rearranged. Yes, sir. One of the things you've been talking about, I, my wheels been about to fall off here. I've been turning See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Whose fault is it to believe the lie? It's a that's car salesman. That's why you're at the test of scriptures. That's, why, that's how all that stuff got started. Well, that sounds easier than what so and so is doing over there. That's easier than trying to follow the word. 
what they're saying is that it looks different. You know, and it, when, it, when it tells you to test the scripture, it says to it that no one takes you captive, it puts a lot of responsibility on you. If you're talking about studying the word and saying what God said, I mean, well, we, that puts the ball back in your part. We also talked about at the beginning of this particular part of the study a couple of weeks ago that one thing we have to give the guys that are doing that, that are involved in this movement at that point in time they were seeking truth okay and and what we have to do I think to, to, in, from my perspective is to encourage people to become seekers and the way you become a seeker is you get into scripture and the beauty of scripture is, is the more you read and the more you understand, the more you figure out, I, the more I've got to learn. And you continue, you, you never get through studying scripture. Because as, as your faith grows, your understanding grows. And as your understanding grows, you're seeking more truth. And, 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 and it's the power of the gospel. It's the power of the scriptures to do that. Sam? Yes, sir. Do most of these denominations, do they read and have the same Bible, the same scripture that we do, or are they writing some of their own, or how do they come up with all these different If they read the same scripture. Most do, but they also have it versions and, and paraphrases and things that they encourage to be the, the official book. You also have where well, you have the, the synods and, and the conventions and all of that. I, I mean, you hear about it on the news. They, they voted, I think the Southern Baptist Convention voted four or five years in a row about what uh, subjection by woman was. And every year it changed for three or four years. 